Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Ruby Sparks. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware that we do discuss some elements of the plot and there'll be spoilers. Enjoy. There you are. Hello. I just got a, no- a notification saying Robert Gordon is extremely online. It is absolutely accurate. I am extremely online. By which you mean that the internet is plugged into your veins. So, you know, people are worried about like p- people looking at their phones all the time, but you've gone one step further and just plugged it in. It's like, give me, give me internet now. It's like, it's like a drip going into you all the time. As the mighty Linkin Park once said, they are one step closer to the edge, and I'm extremely online. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say, I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end it didn't even matter, because I'm extremely online. <laughs> Nothing matters when you're extremely online. Yeah. I remember their videos used to actually kind of freak me out when they were first on, but they the hybrid theory era. They did lots of scary videos where they've all got spiky hair and they're all like sort of like rapping at the camera in alleyways and stuff. And I actually thought they were like bad dudes. They they but, are bad, but in a good dudes. way. In a good way. Super bad dudes. Bad yeah. bad new, bad dudes in the same way of bad dudes versus Dragon Ninja. <laughs> did Did you ever play? Oh yeah. <laughs> bad dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Oh no. I thought you were talking about the band Lost Prophets. No, they they are actual. Well, one of them is an actual bad dude. One of the worst people in history. Yes, um, bad bad dudes versus Dragon Ninja was a sort of a side-scrolling beat 'em up game where there's these two bad radical dudes against an evil <laughs> gang of ninjas dude. called the Dragon Ninja who have kidnapped the president. Um, and well, I- so. Can we get them to come back like now and kidnap the president now? Uh, I think we should. Um, I, the big I was, wet president. I, I was hoping that um, I was hoping that uh, Prince Charles would secretly be a member of Dragon Ninja, but unfortunately not. Um, he's he's definitely a ninja, Prince Charles. He's definitely got the build of a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so so it has the best sort of opening like scroll ever in a game where obviously it was the 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 80s where there was a certain president in place which is why he's called this but basically there's this guy with sunglasses on the rupert rodine president ronnie is his name thank you very much president ronnie has been kidnapped by the ninjas are you a bad enough dude to rescue ronnie and that is your mission for the game good old ronnie yeah and then at the end, he sort of says, like, hey, dudes, thanks for saving me. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Hey, dudes, thank for, thanks for rescuing me. Let's go for a burger. Ha, 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 ha. And that's how the game ends. <laughs> Cowabunga. <laughs> it's amazing. 80s video games, man. That's where it's at. Yeah. You can't beat them. You, you cannot beat a good 80s video game. Uh, by which I mean you literally can't beat them because they're all so bloody impossible to finish. 
that, and, and that that is the amazing thing about all the classic games isn't it is that all of them were either ported from the arcades or were still being made with the mindset of arcade game development so so their sole purpose to exist was to steal quarters from kids pockets yeah and and, and that's why they were there and and that carried over into games that never even appeared in arcades as well like like the mario games with their live system that all was revolved around how it worked in an arcade setting um which is which is why so many of them were so difficult and also it was an, an attempt to sort of build longevity into them because whereas now you can have like a 90 hour long video game then it was well this game takes 40 minutes to beat but you're going to be trying it 100 times before you beat it yeah it's like um it's kind of like an american football game it's it actually only takes 5 minutes but you have to stop every 10 seconds for someone to move the ball yes whereas in this yeah. <laughs> it's stopping every 10 seconds cuz you died and you have to start over yeah, I actually I don't mind the American football game that's on the NES Mini that I got. It's actually quite fun. Is it Tecmo Tecmo Bowl? I I can't remember what it's called. Because I think that's the classic of the of of that era. I have no time for sports games before the sixteen bit era. All of them play yep. horribly. If um, it doesn't have Bob's and Dugnut in it, I'm not interested. It, if there's no Mike Truck, <laughs> I am not getting involved. Although on that subject, as a as an early Father's Day present, my my month old son got me um, something baseball to acclaim baseball two thousand and one for the Game Boy Color because um, I had a Game Boy Color and it's actually not bad. Oh, very I, nice! I can I can hit home runs in it, which is more than can be said for my ability in baseball in any other context. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, two thousand and one. It does make the kind of NES era games seem ridiculously hard and awful yeah exactly um i have been building as well you know paddy but mm. for our listeners i have You've been, been sending me awful photos of your handiwork i i have created a little retro console it's very very easy to do if you if you have a raspberry pi which is a tiny little computer it's effectively a tiny little um circuit board um uh you can then create a, a retro device out of it where you can play various you know retro console games on it um so i have everything from the nintendo to the sega master system to the mega drive to the super nintendo um with game boy games game boy color games some game boy advance games and now some some original playstation games on it as well um and and the sole purpose of this was to annoy paddy by putting on uh the the greatest video game of all time Toka touring cars 2 you bought the, you bought the Raspberry Pi just to annoy me. Yeah, for this it's just a so long con. just so I could send you a picture of me playing Toka Touring Cars Two, the greatest video game ever made. <laughs> yeah, the the most accurate video game ever made in terms of how it represents driving, which is the most <laughs> boring, frustrating, and tedious thing that one has to do as a you know a person without any real problems in the western world if if you have ever wanted to know what it feels like to drive an audi around a british racetrack in the rain toka touring cars 2 <laughs> is the game for you um we've all thought about it no i i love toka touring cars i'm gonna thoroughly enjoy playing that alongside everything else i think I'm, I'm not sure what i'm going to do first because i'm very busy at the moment but i think i'm going to eventually move on to playing all of the Mega Man games Nice. Or or working my way through all of the Mario games or something like that. But there's also some uh, some classic games that I never got around to playing as a kid, which I am going to be thoroughly uh, enjoying. Uh, which is going to be, be awesome. a completist. I I will be the man who completes things. 
But you find that the the games that you didn't play when you were a kid have a certain allure to them. Um, It's either that, either they're really, really interesting because you didn't have them or you hate them because you didn't have them. The same with Disney movies. Like if you didn't watch particular Disney movies as a kid in the 90s, only 90s kids will remember this, then yeah, you you have no time for them. Like um, Claire has no time for the Black Cauldron or Oliver and Company or those ones that I like because she never saw them as a kid and is just like, what is this rubbish? Uh, Okay, because I think particularly things like that where your mind is shaped by processing them as a kid when you go back to try and watch those things without that kid lens on they don't really have the same luster of them luster to them do they um although personally i'm not a fan of oliver and company in general as a kid as a as a kid i didn't really like it are you fucking kidding me It's I, the most underrated Disney film ever. It's the most so good. The most underrated Disney movie ever is uh, The Black Hole. That is the most underrated Disney movie ever. Everyone talks about Tron. Oh, Tron's so good. Oh, look at the Tron. Tron, Tron, Tron. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, the, the voice of Tron fans. Oh, Tronny, Tronny, Tron, Tron. I love Tron. Which is quite similar Isn't Tron to so the, good? the voice that you put on for like Brexit people. <laughs> Well, I think that that Venn diagram is pretty much a circle. Let's be honest here. Brexit yeah. loves Tron. Boris Johnson fucking loves. He Tron. he loves Tron. He's all about Jeff Bridges, and it's like, oh, I wish I could be in a virtual Wonderland. He watches it at least twice a week. Yeah, he's he's just there with his horrible hair and his big gammony face. That's why he's Tron. never he's never prepared for anything that he does ever because he's he's too busy he's too busy watching Tron. Watching Tron. They're like, Whereas, his aides come in and they're like, come on, we've, we've got to brief you on this thing. It's really, really important. Like, there's been a, a disaster, a big, like, oil crisis or whatever. And he's like, oh, s- sit down here and watch Tron with me, Johnny. Look, it's the light cycles. Isn't it fun? <laughs> um, no, you know, Tron is for the, for the, for the vanilla ice cream crowd. If, you, if, you, if you're all about pistachio ice cream, if you've got a, you've got a refined palate, black hole's where it's at. Black hole's where it's at. That's the real money maker. Go watch it. It's got robots. It's got killer robots. It's got a big black hole. It's got weird, spooky stuff going on. It would definitely scar you if you watched it as a kid. <laughs> that's that's how it gets into your good books. If it's just exactly. like really traumatic and scarring. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas um, all I want is a dog voiced by Billy Joel. <laughs> I'm easily pleased. <laughs> Speak, speaking of dogs, um, I did you know that there was a Beethoven video game on the Game Boy? What? I have How? I have kept it on my device. I was thinking, mm, I should probably delete this because it's almost definitely going to be trash. But I thought, you know what? I need to keep it on there for the next time that I see Paddy so yeah. that he can play it and we can witness the glory of Beethoven on the Game Boy. That's extremely my shit. <laughs> Is it really bad? I haven't played it yet. Um, okay. I, I, I've reached a stage now where I'm going through and whittling down what games I want to keep on it and which ones I don't so that I can make more space for... I'd like to fit a couple more PlayStation games on, but that means deleting about yeah. 100 to 200 more like SNES games. Um, and yep. it's basically getting rid of all of the American football games and baseball games, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep... I think there's... I I think there's one baseball game that I seem to have fond memories of where it was like future baseball where you played as a load of robots. Oh yeah. And yeah. and so the gameplay the gameplay was still bad, but the novelty of it being a bunch of robots was funny. So I might keep that one around, but generally they play incredibly badly. 
Um, yep. So it's it's given that you get like seven hundred of them uh, per like console. <laughs> I'm going to go through and get rid of those, um, and hopefully make enough space for a couple more PlayStation games. Cool. Do you reckon you can get Final Fantasy VII on there? That's probably the only one that has like a large file size, right? The rest are all probably like two megabytes. Well, PlayStation games generally come in at around 500 meg. Uh, you least. really wouldn't know it from looking at the blockiness of Crash Bandicoot. Well, it's all to do with the music. Um, ah. Because it's the first generation to really have high quality music instead of just bleep, bloop, blah, bloop, bleep. Um, that that was the official soundtrack to Sonic 3, by the way. Um, <laughs> by Michael Jackson. By Michael Jackson. Um, his best work. Bleep, his, blah, bloop. Yeah, definitely his best work. Um, but yeah, but I think because of it was the first era to really use that high quality sound, it actually means that it, the file sizes are much bigger. Um, and also there was a big jump in graphical quality in terms of the sheer amount of file needed to to render things. So um, yeah. yeah, so they are a bit bigger. Um, I'm sure this is very riveting for our audience, yeah. <laughs> by the way. Welcome to the file size podcast. Welcome, welcome to the, the PlayStation file size podcast. <laughs> So, some nerd out there is having the time of his life. Speaking of nerds, Ruby yep. Sparks has a big nerd in it. Good pivot, good pivot. He's I'm a me- he's the mega nerd. He's the kind of nerd who even I would like push into the lockers and go, "What's up, dweeb?" Yeah, give me your lunch money. Give me your lunch money, dork. He wrote a novel called what is it even called? It's called it's, it's called novel, it's called. They sad, never say what it's about. It's called Sad White Man. <laughs> it's about a sad white man. It's called sad boy. He dropped. He dropped out of high school, and he wrote a novel. No one who drops out of high school writes a novel. <laughs> Everyone, if he, if it, that, that's the that's the most unrealistic thing about this. Not the fact that sad white boy imagined perfect manic trick pixie dream girl. Uh, she, that, and that, then she appears. The the um the the most unrealistic thing is that he dropped out of high school, and he didn't just then spend years smoking pot and working in a diner. Yeah, and it's like I'm sorry, lad. I'm sorry, lad. Why do you not skateboard? Um, <laughs> But so so Ruby Sparks, Ruby Sparks, right? Yeah, uh, I have a feeling you're about to go off on one. We, wait, so last time we recorded, you were you were grumpy, and you were like, "Oh, let's watch Ruby Sparks." I'm probably going to be grumpy about it. Are you, are you about to be grumpy about it? Well, I'm not going to be entirely grumpy about it because my opinion on the film hasn't changed since I first saw it, and this is only my right. second time watching it. And the same thing happened again this time, where. I started off despising the characters and then about 15 minutes in, I realized, wait, I'm supposed to despise this character. And then at the end of the movie, the saccharine ending makes me really angry again. Um, so I still feel like <laughs> the, this the is such cycle. a good film until like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. The the ending really stinks. It's just that, yeah, he then sees her again. Hello, are the you there? And it's, can you hear You've started no. tronning all over the place. Oh no! Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, good. Let's carry it. <laughs> okay. could, could you hear me the whole time? Then oh, I just stopped. I was going. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> I could. I could only hear you towards the end of when you were going. Can you hear me now? <laughs> um. Yeah. So, so, so when, when you just just as an aside on that, when you have a child, you have to make everything into a song. So I just I'm just inclined every time there's anything that you need to say, it just becomes a song. See, I I already do that for the cat, so I think I'm going to transition well into parenthood. Yeah, you're 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 well prepared. I think. <laughs> so, so, like, 
so little cat little cat you are so furry and angry little cat i mean the one thing that i will have to do is stop the swearing in the song where i generally just swear sing at the cat calling her a what's and what and so and so um but uh so, so where did we get up to um uh, yeah we were talking about the ending uh, yes basically, I, yeah i hate the ending so much and it really does yeah it, I, I wouldn't say that it ruins the film but it's not good it's and because it's like he sees her at the end the the girl that he wrote and then decided he, they couldn't be with because the whole point is that you can't magic people into thin air and you can't live on imagination alone and that kind of the the perfection that you can that you would try to write in a relationship doesn't exist and all that kind of stuff which is the point of it it's it's then and then he sees her in the park again and she's reading his book about her it's just really weird and nonsensical and it's like what what are you supposed to take from that that he he did it all just to like read a book so he could meet her to write a book so he could meet her again it's really yeah i i don't know what to make of the ending honestly what annoys me is this movie would be one of my favorite films if it ended with um with him having banged the keyboard and then she's lying on the ground and i think that would have been an incredible impactful ending because it is this movie up until the last 15 minutes last 10 15 minutes i think is one of the best critiques of what romance is written like in uh, in cinema and one of the best critiques of the nice guy syndrome um yeah. where the main character in this film you know it, he is an awful human being in the same way that scott pilgrim is an awful human being um where he is yeah, you but know he's a lovable oaf. he treats people terribly he is awful to his family and to his friends he has a terrible s- at bass guitar he has this <laughs> He has this sense of self-importance about his place in the world as well. And um, and there's this whole thing about him, uh, you know, not wanting to be called a genius. And then that all falls away at the end where he's asking her to call him a genius. And, and that veneer of I'm a humble, nice guy is just eradicated. And it's a really powerful moment where you can see that actually all he wants is power. And all he wants is power over another person. And he is this controlling individual. But then at the end, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's got his life back on track now and he started being a good person again and he's written a book and he's feeling better. And so now he is rewarded with having his dream girl again. And it's like, no, that's a really bad message to send here because people don't change that much. And yes, I get that you wanted to have a nice ending and a happy ending to your film. But if you really wanted to send a strong message, you should have kept it with this guy is a bad guy. This guy, because he didn't get what he wanted, he decided to destroy the woman that he supposedly loves way of life. Yeah, that that's exactly it. It's like by making by vindicating him after he's been so awful as to yeah, become sort of really drunk with power and have this kind of mad this mad scene where it, it almost crosses over into horror and you're like, Oh, it's actually really disconcerting, but in a good way, then yeah, it totally vindicates him and makes all of that it seemed like the film wants you to think that all of that's okay that he did that and that he was that that's just what yeah what a genius is like and that kind of thing it, it conforms to the, the genius myth and a sort of myth of romance being about power if that makes sense it's really odd yeah because it does such a good it does such a good job of undermining your feelings about the main character all the way through so so for a bit of backstory for anyone who hasn't seen it yet paul dano is uh he's paul dano 
That's yeah. his character Baldino name. Is Baldino. <laughs> um, he he is a a young writing prodigy. He wrote this incredible book uh, at the age of nineteen uh, that has become this cult classic, this this favorite American novel. But in the last ten years or so, he has struggled to write a second book, and he's written things like novellas and short story collections and things like that. But he's struggling to to do that, and on top of that, he's finding it difficult to meet people which he's not really doing anything about apart from having bought a dog, which he then resents. A cute dog. Um, very cute dog. A lovely border terrier. Uh, this, this this film gets high marks on, on dog... Dog content. Dog content. It's great. Um, so, so then he gets told by his shrink to uh, write about meeting someone who accepts the dog the way they are. The shrink who, honestly, um, I know it's Elliot Gould, but the first time I saw him, I thought it was George Lucas. <laughs> looks so much like George Lucas. Write about an alien who accepts your dog the way it is. Um, and and so he writes about this woman, and it's the same woman that he's already seen in his dreams. And Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Um, but then uh, it just so happens that by writing about her this time, and it's it's never explained why, which I like. You know, is it a magic typewriter? Is it some kind of tulpa situation where his uh, frustration has created something manifest in the real world? It's never really under, it's never really explained, and I I like it that way. But yeah, that's but, not the point of it at all. No, exactly. But the next day, he he wakes up, and um, then there she is, uh, Ruby Sparks, played by played by zoe kazan who also wrote the film yeah that's Um, what's really interesting about it isn't it that she wrote it yes yeah and um and she is this dream girl that he's wanted and and it 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 initially plays like the trope of the manic pixie dream girl which we've seen in many movies and Uh, which i believe she rejects exactly the, the whole thing is undermining and rejecting that concept um where initially everything seems rosy but then um you know, it's clear that Paul Dano's character does not understand how to be in a relationship with someone else and doesn't understand how to look after somebody else um, and how to respect somebody else. And this leads to issues along the way. And 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 it drip feeds you the issues with his character. Um, so it starts off with him being a bit awkward about her going out and getting a job or joining a class, that kind of thing. And you think, oh, that's a bit weird. Why is he being so controlling over her? Um then not wanting to present her in front of his family. And you think initially, oh, this might be a um, issue with the fact that he created her out of thin air. But actually, that's, <laughs> not, that's not the issue here. The issue is it's, it's controlling who she meets and controlling her relationship with his, his relationships, as it were. Um, and, you know, never trust a guy who doesn't like Antonio Banderas. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty big rule for life is if someone doesn't like Antonio Banderas, then you know, there's something wrong with them. Um, especially when he's being so nice and giving them a nice chair, which they have to hilariously put in the back of their car. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, and so you get these warning signs of, oh, he's being really, he's, he's rejecting the company of his own family. Um, for no real good reason either um and over time you get to recognize he's actually a very quite nasty person quite controlling person um and it all comes to a head at um a party that steve coogan's character his kind of mental figures throwing langdon tharp (laughs) mike truck that's yeah that's totally a bobson (laughs) dugnut 
um where where he he meets up with his ex-girlfriend um who all he's called her before in this movie is a slut and that's it and that's the only thing you know is she was mean to me she is a slut and and that's that's his frame of reference for her um and then it becomes quite clear that actually again he was very unsupportive and very controlling and was not emotionally available to her at all um and you think well actually yes this this whole person's frame of reference uh, paul dano's whole frame of reference is a lie he is the the a, a wonderful unreliable narrator in this situation um and and amongst all of these other um male figures so his his very much more masculine brother um or or antonio banderas or steve coogan um all of which have issues apart from antonio banderas who is wonderful um yeah he's all, the loveliest possible stepdad but, figure but the rest of the characters in this movie, they all portray different areas of um, toxic masculinity, I suppose. Um, so the brother in general is much more realistic and much more grounded and I think has a much more uh, natural and positive relationship with other people, including his family. But again, he kind of at times reverts back to focusing on the physical of women. Um, yeah. And But he's probably the least nasty male character in this. So Steve Coogan is then a very predatory older uh male using his position of power and then you've got the nice guy uh paul dano who at first seems like a timid and generally meek uh nice individual but actually is possibly the most dangerous of the lot because at the end of the movie it ends with him abusing her um he shows his true colors yes and there's no other way to describe it he is using his magic typewriter or whatever to basically cause her to be unable to leave the house um, to be unable to communicate, to only communicate in the way that he so chooses. Um, and the gradual creep towards that scene does work quite well. I think it's very, very well paced. Where as soon as there's, he's like, oh, I'm never going to like, initially he's like, okay, she's here. I'm not going to write about her again because I don't want to control her because she's here and it works. But as soon as it's like, it's not working for him and it's not exactly like his fantasy, um, then yeah, he starts writing her again and starts trying to control her. And he is extremely controlling. And there are hints of her noticing it as well. And that's what is clever about it, is that it's like, even though he's controlling her, she is aware of it, even though she is his fantasy. So it does then sort of gradually through that that good um, that good plot and that good pace reveal the, um, what's, how, how would I put it? It reveals that, you, you, you know, you can't, you can't make love out of just your own fantasy, can you? That it's a, it's a two-way street is the point. Exactly, yeah, and and uh, you you put it quite succinctly. The moment things start going wrong for him, he decides to change her, and and that's the whole method of this movie. Is whenever there is something wrong in his relationship with someone else, it's never down to him, and he never changes. Um, he just he just goes and writes something new about her. So it might be that she never wants to leave his side. Or... Exactly, and that's why the ending is so yeah is so problematic because it's like it's saying it's endorsing all of that. It's like, oh yeah, that being kind of a, a power-hungry, crazed fantasist and never understanding that, you know, love is something that is shared between two people and, that you know, what romance is, is, yeah, it's just there. Yeah, it, you know, it's all right that he was a horrible, controlling, abusive, nasty creep because, hey, a bit of time's passed now and he's released a book in the meantime. It's like, no, yeah. it's, 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 it's okay because he's a cool, famous author. 
Yeah. yeah, it's 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 so so the end of this movie is a real downer for me. Um and yeah. I remember thinking that at the time. Um and on Not second, to keep banging on about the the ending because there are a lot of things about it to like, but it does yeah, as you say, put a downer on it. it yeah, it kind of spoils what was powerful about the film in the first place. Um which I think is the the biggest shame. But in terms of positives, let's talk about positives then. The 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 key uh breakdown of love story tropes in this movie is one of the most effective i've ever seen i think yeah i agree um it's the the way that it sort of frames everything the way that it pulls the rag out from unji where you think you're watching a certain kind of film and then it becomes steadily apparent that actually it's very much almost a meta movie about about love movies and about romantic movies and yeah and it's it's very ambitious in that sense isn't it it's it's a film that really has ambition conceptually and in the way that it tries to portray things in its characterization in the way that it pulls it all together and you know the fact that it it's let down by you know a, a hollywood ending i suppose that they probably felt they had to do um doesn't take away from the ambition of it which is something to appreciate Yes, yeah, exactly. There, there's definitely a lot of quality here. And I think um, Zoe Kazan's writing in general is really good. Um, the the dialogue, the way that the, the scenes are framed, um, a lot of care and attention went into writing this film. And I, I, and I don't know what happened behind the scenes, if there was a sort of push towards giving it a happy ending. I'm not sure whether it would do, because everyone involved in this has always been quite... Um, quite careful about doing things on their own terms yeah so, so i don't know but i i personally feel as though giving it a horrible ending and hey what a surprise rob wants a really depressing horrible ending to a movie yeah she <laughs> should have died she she should have fucking died and then paul dano should have fucking shot his dog and then gone on a rampage um <laughs> screaming i am the dano now Um, (laughs) tell me i'm a genius tell me i'm a genius um yeah but i do think that yeah giving it that really nasty ending would have worked so well um but but uh, apart from apart from so the writing's great the, the, (coughs) the the message is really good um the performances are brilliant as well i i i think everyone in this film works fantastically within their own framing here yeah i i agree they're all very very good people paul dano obviously as we know is someone that we really really like yes yeah and i can't think of anything i don't like him in and he's great in this um i think he he kind of shows off how it's, it's almost like the perfect example of someone being able to put those nastier elements into a performance over the course of time so so what initially appears to be a pathetic and and empathetic and likable character um he he again slowly manages to show just with like the odd sideways glance and just the odd moment here and there how dangerous this person potentially could be um and so you know i'm not sure whether this is my favorite performance of his but i think it might be actually I, I think he it, it's definitely up there for sure i think he shows a real I mean, great great variety here um he doesn't drink any milkshake he does not drink any milkshake but you know i think this movie kind of it showed how much extra he could do 
Um, and, you know, he was he was in movies like Prisoners after this, which is a, a phenomenal movie. Um, and of course, Swiss Army Man, where he basically, you know, although, you know, Daniel Radcliffe is great in that film as well. He is the he is the active participant in that movie. Yeah, that's a film. Yeah. If you didn't listen to us talking about that film, that's a very interesting episode. And it's a film that, yeah, I think I do really, really love, even though it's really, really odd and strange and horrible. But yeah, his performance in that is really something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, it's 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 a similar kind of thing, isn't it, where he appears as this sympathetic character, but actually then deep down there's something much nastier going on with him. As, and so he's really good at, at portraying those kind of uh, those kind of characters. And it's something I'd like to see more of him doing as well going forwards. Um, so here he's Calvin. There's no Hobbs. I think I think maybe then it should have been Ruby Hobbs and then we could have had a Calvin and Hobbs situation. Yep. And she's like a little a little tiny. But I, I do wonder if that was a reference to Calvin and Hobbs, calling him Calvin with an imaginary friend. Yeah, that's a good point actually, yeah. And no one else can hear Hobbs. They just see him as the stuffed tiger. So really, it should, what she should have been was like a taxidermied woman. <laughs> who anyway, and then he's like, don't you see? Don't you see? She's talking. She's moving. And they're like, why have you, why, why have you stuffed woman? Why have you stuffed a corpse in your house? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the creep, the creepiness of his character, you know, you, you, you'd believe it. Well, exactly. You've seen actually how, the darker side of him. You'd believe that he could do something like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, he's brilliant in this. Zoe Kazan as well is really good, and you know, I'm a huge, I'm a yeah. huge fan of hers. Uh, she's, I don't think I've seen anything in her with her in that I, where I haven't thought her performance is excellent. Yeah, for sure. And this is a this is a perfect example of that. Um, where again, what you first think of as being this kind of typical character is completely undermined, and there is a complexity to her performance which is brilliant. And and the further it goes on, and and what's what's also great is the way that there's this physicality to her performance. Um, when when he has changed her personality by writing about it, um, you can physically see the change in her after each sort of addition or subtraction being made to her character yeah for sure um which is great yeah yeah it's just great and it's it's an acting challenge as well to do something like that where you're being controlled especially that one that one sort of horrible scene where he's writing her and she has to do she's like singing and jumping around and she has to pretend that she like can't get out of the room and stuff it's yeah it's it's actually very unsettling and she does that very well yeah so again a brilliant performance but then you've got you know chris messiner as the brother really good you know he he's great i think he's really underrated he actually. he is definitely and and this again is a great performance from him um you know he, have you ever seen the film the giant mechanical man i have not no he's kind of the lead guy in that and it's him and jenna fisher aka pam from the office and i think it's 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 i don't know that it's it's amazing but it's a film that i really liked and he was in it. It's quite an interesting film. We should talk about that at some point. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. I'll, I'll, I think I'll have to check that out and see it. Yeah, but I like him a lot. Yeah, and, and he's been in loads of great films, hasn't he? And loads of, loads he of great films. He was in Away We Go. Yeah. This is the friend. Um, in the newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin thing about how news is made. It's the news. This, this is the news. This is the news. Um uh, I never saw that. It was all right. It was it was no West Wing, and again, there was lots of things in it which were clearly inaccurate. Um, but it was still kind of enjoyable schmaltzy guff, effectively. <laughs> but in a but in a good way. In a good way. 
yeah, well, Sorkin yeah, Guff is still good. exactly. Um, and then you know, Antonio Banderas and Annette Benning, brilliant, yeah, very good, really good pairing of those two as well. I mean, they've had very little screen time, but I thought they really, really worked as the parents. Who he was like, and again, the fact that he's sort of embarrassed by his his mum and partner, who are clearly really, really lovely and have this really nice house and just want like the best for him. It's, yeah, that's a really, really good, again, kind of slow burn on the fact that he's actually a total fuck-up. Yes, yeah. It's 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 really interesting the way that they're framed and how loving they are. And you get these hints that she was a very different person before, but she seems like such a happy person there. And then a tour de force performance from Antonio Banderas as the, as the stepdad character, um, where he just kind of steals the scene for the brief moments that he's in it. He's he's just got this joy and this energy to him, and he he pretends to be a dog, uh, which you know everyone wants to see. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then later on, Zoe Kazan has to pretend to be a dog as well. Yes, <laughs> she does lots of barking and running around. Yeah, uh, you know everything's a circle. It all comes back to dog per- dog personification, dogific the dogs dog the dog dogification. Canineification. Canineification. That'll that'll do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with canonification, which is a religious. Precisely. Thing. <laughs> which is which is when you baptize a dog. <laughs> if you if you want your dog to go to heaven, you've got to you've got to baptize it. You know that film. All dogs go to heaven. Bullshit. If your dog hasn't been baptized, it ain't getting it. <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. Um, yeah. So so. Again, yeah, performances are great. And and the direction as well is really good. It's a very pretty movie. Um, directed by the duo uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris, who um, have done, you know, they did Little Miss Sunshine, which is, which which is, is an good. amazing film. Um, they did Battle of the Sexes, which I've not seen, but I've heard is good. Um, which is the one I... I have not either, yeah. Which is the um, tennis. Emma Stone yeah. and, yeah, Steve Carell. Yep, so that's the it look it looks very which, good. which looks really good and apparently it's it's good as well. Um but apart from that they've directed some of the best music videos ever. Oh yeah? Yep, so uh Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight, that was them. Ah uh, I love that video. Corn Freak on a Leash, that was them. Oh right. The one with the bullet. The one with the bullet, yeah. Ah, Amazing. Uh, the bullet comes into the room and suddenly he's like exactly exactly but like the the way that the that that video i think kind of it's part of what propelled corn to stardom really because of the way that absolutely you know you've got this slow motion bullet going through things like apples and 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 cartons of milk and things like that it's a genuinely really pretty video for a very strange song that perhaps might not have found an audience otherwise if there hadn't been that that to it yeah um Corn were just an awful band, weren't they? <laughs> well, what are they? Are they still around? I think they're still around. I'm not sure if they've got all their original members. I, what I find interesting about Corn is that when they were weird, they were really interesting, but then they got slowly less and less weird from their heyday, and so they were pretty awful. But like, they had a singer who couldn't really sing very well. Um, and then this really strange setup of like a slap bass guitarist, and then seven I know, seven. I love Fieldy so much. I just <laughs> for the fact that he released a hip hop album called Fieldy's. Dreams. I know it's so good, it's so good. Um, and so uh, yeah, they're a really strange band, Corn, and it's the kind of band that I don't think could ever make it big nowadays because 
No Weir- way. Weirdness like that never gets big. Bands like them or System of a Down, where the System of a Down, I think, are a bit easier on the ears, aren't they? But there, some of their stuff is quite melodic. But I think just in terms of the strangeness of political it, messages and stuff, I think they're easier to swallow. But but I think than... the the strangeness of their setup, so they're all of their weird you know like rhythm sections and things like that and and the way that Serge Tankian sings is quite unique I, I think if they suddenly appeared today they would never be anywhere near as big as they were now um, as they were back in the day and and I think Korn kind of would have the same thing where they were a weird band with a weird setup of like slap bass down tune guitars scatting bagpipes seven strings yeah I love that on the Wikipedia page Jonathan Davis lead vocals bagpipes <laughs> exactly exactly um, and and at their weirdest, I think there was something interesting about them. More more interesting than bands like Slipknot or uh, Mushroom Head. We'll bring up bring up the <laughs> classic on. Slipknot wore masks. <laughs> I, that makes up for atonal dirge music. I, mean, I think Slipknot that once they got a few albums in, actually started to make some relatively melodic stuff. They did. They did that. that one really good song that everyone loves. Uh, duality. duality. Yeah, Duality is yeah. a great that, song. That that is a banger. Yeah. It, it slaps. It, it it slaps. It does not slap bass. No. Um, but but in general, uh, like um, Slipknot, I think were are pretty boring, and I think at least Corn early on had some weird stuff going on, like the weird scatting, like the bagpipes. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's good, but at least it was doing something <laughs> unique. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, bad bad music. New new metal it all comes back to new metal, doesn't it? That's again, yeah, the new metal circle. <laughs> but a bad, strange, interesting time in popular music. Very bad. How did we get onto? Corn? I haven't. Oh, oh yeah, the, their direction. They directed the video, right? Yeah. So they also did. I know you love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. It, yeah, they, uh, they they directed that, and they directed. Um, actually, that is a good video. Yeah. Yeah, it goes through all the like um, back, background sets of um, yeah, it's it's like going through Hollywood film sets and stuff, isn't it? Precisely, yeah. Um, and I think they did say it ain't so by Weezer. Really? Yeah. Love, well, they they I, did I they did a Weezer video. I'm not sure which one, but I think it was say it ain't so. Um, yeah. So so they've done loads of brilliant videos over the years. Um, and so, you know, and then they move from that to, you know, making great movies. And I think this is, yeah. in general, it's a really good film. It's just a shame about that ending. It really is. Yeah, It looks great. And all of the locations are really well chosen, even down to his house, which actually I think looks exactly like the kind of house that a writer living in LA would live in, weirdly. It's got that pool and it's, you know, it's kind of, it's not like... It's not massive and he hasn't splashed out, but it is still very, very nice, you know, and it's it also works well for all the different various shots that they need to do. It's just great. It's a real Bojack Horseman house. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> um Like a real uh, kind of soulless but clinical place. Um, yeah. and, and so then you get that real... Uh, comparison piece that contrast with his parents house um where there's so much unique stuff going on there there's this chaos to it whereas his own life is very much clinical and then ruby's character is much more in the realm of the chaos um and so just in terms of its setting and its mise-en-scene you've got that real clash going on so it's a very well thought out film 
as well. Yeah. So, so there's so much here to recommend. There really is, yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely like well worth watching for sure. It's it's interesting on a number of levels. Just yeah, it's a slightly irritating and problematic ending. Yeah, I don't like the ending. He should he should have just like or even it would have worked even if it wasn't her, even if it was some other girl who was reading his book and you're like, Okay, that's a little bit cheesy and a bit giving himself a pat on the back for writing a book about this, but it's not his dream girl. It's someone else and it's going to be new and different and it's going to move forward. That's kind of what you really want it to be, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's deserved happiness. <laughs> to be <laughs> to be quite brutal. I don't think it... Uh, I don't think he's... You don't think he deserves a chance to try again? I think he deserves a chance to try again, but I think given what we've seen him just to, do... To rehabilitate himself. Yeah, given what we've seen him just do, I think throwing him back into a romantic relationship it kind of just shows that there is no ramifications for his actions so how how would you like him to atone for his actions? i'd like him to just die <laughs> that's what i want so at the end after he shot his dog he turns the gun on himself precisely precisely or just it ends with some kind of awkward autoerotic asphyxiation um and and then you know like his brother walking in and going oh for god's sake calvin <laughs> Yeah, here we go again. Calvin. Here we go again. Um, and then his brother says something, yeah, something misogynist. He uses the word poon. Everyone laughs. <laughs> Suddenly the first example of a laughter track in the movie. <laughs> and then it ends. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel as though, um, because what he does at the end is one of, it's, it's really distressing to watch um, the way that he treats Ruby. And it, yeah, and the the film wants you to be distressed. Yes, and 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 it and it wants it to be. Um, it, it does want you to feel uncomfortable watching it, but then the fact that it then turns around and allows him, and I, and I'm not sure whether a, a second chance for him so soon after these events would really feel right because, you know, he doesn't ha- he had absolute control over Ruby. What's he going to do when he doesn't have absolute control over someone? Yeah. I guess if you want to feel like he's going to atone for it, you actually need more detail, don't you? You need a whole kind of part two film where he proves to himself that he can love another person properly. Yeah, because all he's done in in Ruby Sparks at the end is write a book and and let the woman who he kept captive in his house get away. (laughs) That's all he's done, Um, which I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think that that it warrants him getting a second chance. It's the kind of example of the big Hollywood love gesture, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wrote this book for you on my typewriter. Yeah, it's written on a typewriter, so it means it's more lovely. It's more artistic. Yeah. But I, I do like it when the typewriter words come up on the screen, though. I yeah. The typewriter, putting them in. I like that. Yeah, it's very pretty, but typewriters are slow and... Impractical. Yeah get a fucking computer like everyone else yeah (laughs) yeah why didn't they show him just like working in cafes on his macbook or whatever and just occasionally just shouting i'm writing a novel yeah i'm a genius tell me i'm a genius i'm a genius yeah it should have been just at least half an hour of him going around la shaking people and going tell me i'm a genius yeah exactly because that's what his personality is really like yeah precisely he wants that kind of um he wants that kind of glory and that's what it's about. And, and he's finding it difficult to write the second book because he wants that glory again. He wants that adoration that he had the first time around. It's not about being a perfectionist writer who really wants to write something important. 
It's about the fact that men are awful pigs. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is what men do if you give them a typewriter and things that come to life. Exactly. Exactly. Like if I pigs, pigs with typewriters. If I had a magic typewriter, I don't know what I'd do with it. I'd probably just be like, Rob was suddenly super buff. Oh, look at yeah. that. I'm super buff. Great. Rob had five pizzas. Oh, yeah. Five pizzas. Rob had <laughs> 50 million pounds. Oh, look yeah. at that. And then I'd probably be like, oh, I'm kind of set now. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be like, oh, Paddy called up Theresa May and got her to stop Brexit. Yeah. And then there was no Brexit. But I'd, I'd use it, I'd use my powers for good. I would use mine a little bit for good. But I genuinely would, as you say, get buff first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Because I really struggle with my weight my whole life. It's the thing I want to change the most instantly and easily. Exactly. It's the one thing that you can't change easily. You know? Yeah, precisely. Thing. You have to put in a lot of very tedious work into it. Yeah. and it- it's, it's it's like playing Toka Toronto's 2 for <laughs> hours a day if i could lose weight by playing toka touring cars 2 i would be the rock <laughs> yeah well it's strength training of a different kind <laughs> exactly <laughs> strengthens the mind against utter boredom it's helped me it's helped me become the well-rounded man that i am today um yeah your capacity for pure tedium <laughs> yeah. is like nothing i've ever seen <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's interesting that there's this typewriter, and it's 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 allowed him to become a monster. But what would he have been if he didn't have that outlet? Would he have um, become a monster in other ways? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like if a thing brings out the worst in someone, would that that are they still a bad person because that was always there beneath the surface? Or if you'd never have known that it was there and they just went through their life without it ever being revealed, it would have been fine, right? Yeah, exactly. Or or would he have, you know, when he gets into another relationship, will he again be controlling? And you yeah. you imagine that he probably would be. Which is the implication of the film, for sure. Mm, exactly. Because so, when he talks to his ex-girlfriend, that's implied there as well. Yeah, because he, he's horrible to her. And <laughs> it's clear that he was yeah. horrible to her. Um, so, yeah, it's... He's a bad man. He is... Yeah. A roadman. He is a, a bad human being, and I do not feel bad for him. And I want to rescue his dog, and then yep. give, give him a well, noogie, and give him a swirly, and, and call him a dork. <laughs> yeah, give him a wedgie. <laughs> wait, no, wait. What's a swirly? Wait, is what is a swirly? Is that is that when you <laughs> have you just made that? No, up? I've heard it. American. Is that when you put their face in the toilet and flush Maybe. it? Maybe. American listeners who were bullied in high school, please get in touch and let us know. Let's find out what a swirly is. Were you swirlied? A swirly is the process of sticking someone's head in the toilet and flushing. There no, we go. I was right. You were right. I'd give him a swirly. Yeah. De- yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd give him a noogie. Swirly, noogie, wedgie. What What else is there? Chinese burns. Yep. Uh, Which, is that is that a problematic phrase? <laughs> almost <laughs> certainly. It's yeah. got to be. Um... What are the other things you can give people? A kiss. He would not get a kiss. No, not from you. He will not feel my lips. <laughs> give him a kick up the bum. Give him a kick up the bum. <laughs> and then push him in the pool. He would get bundled as well. Was there bundling? Oh, Was yeah, there bundling yeah. at your school? 
Yeah, yeah. The the bundle was responsible for my only visit to the hospital. Oh, really? Between, yeah, the ages. Yeah, as as between the ages of naught and eighteen. Oh, well, really. If I, one time as a kid, I think I banged my head, but yeah, I got bundled on and broke my arm. Ah, I got bundled and I hurt my knee, and that's why my knee clicks to this day. Oh. <laughs> um, Bundling sets you up for life. Yeah. Bundling or took a tour in cars too. What's more dangerous? Oh God, I'd rather be bundled on, honestly. <laughs> Now that I'm I'm a, an adult large man, I reckon I could handle it. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if it was other adult men, I think it, there would be the potential for much worse. That's true, actually. Yeah, if it was a group of yeah ten adult men down the pub, yep, exactly. bundling competition in the beer garden. Oh, mate, that'd be the worst. Yeah, or oh, it's it's like a secret secret bundling syndicate, like um, like know, Fight Club. <laughs> Yeah, like um, no, like um, like cockfights. Oh, okay. Which I mean, like chicken, chickens, not penises. <laughs> but what what we're saying here is that Paul Dano would get attacked by chickens, or bundled, or given a swirly, yeah. and it would <laughs> definitely it would be entirely warranted. Not not he the real Paul it. Dano, not Paul Dano in real life. I do mean no. his character in this film, who is called Paul Dano, <laughs> who is called Paul Calvin Dano. Paul K. Dano. Paul K. Dano. <laughs> <laughs> no, in real life, I think he's, he's obviously an extremely nice man. Yeah, I, I bet he's a lovely fella. Yeah. I, I bet he would appreciate Toka Touring Cars too. He would. He would be so into it. He'd like he'd just sit down with you and you'd be you'd be explaining to him all the boring settings and how to change gear and he would listen so intensely. Yeah, and then we'd play a whole championship together. He'd be like, "Please tell me more, Rob." Yeah, he'd be he'd be loving it. We'd be getting one twos around Silverstone, Brands Hatch, Brands Hatch, <laughs> Brands Hatch, the greatest circuit in all the land. Do you want the glamour of Monaco or Brands Hatch? Yeah, Paul Dano's like, I've never even been to Monaco. Monaco's rubbish. Exactly. But Tell he, me more about the history of Brands Hatch. He loves please. going to Brands Hatch and watching like touring cars. Yeah, it's his favourite. <laughs> oh. The thing is, he doesn't really, but because he knows that you like it, he's really patient with you. But then he gets to love it because all good people love Toka touring cars. Does that mean I'm a bad, I'm a bad man? Yeah, I'd give you a swirly. <laughs> Would you? Yeah. Would you? Yeah, would you push me into a ring to fight a chicken? I would, I would. And Which I'd, is, I'd... I assume, how illegal cockfighting <laughs> Man versus chicken. Cover you in breadcrumbs, throw you into an arena <laughs> with some chickens. Oh, with mul- multiple chickens. Yeah, it's not just one chicken. It's You, you weigh the person, and then you, <laughs> <laughs> and you weigh the chickens. <laughs> So you have to fight your your approximate weight in chickens. <laughs> exactly, that's how it works. We that's where got, the. Like, t- I wonder how close they can get with like they've got some large chickens, and then to get it really accurate, they've just got like a a, hot, a box full of bantams, <laughs> like you know those tiny angry chickens. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Pull all them out. Get get me another bantam, Steve. <laughs> that that's where the terms featherweight and bantamweight come from. Oh right, yeah, of course. It's all from from illegal chicken fights. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever seen an illegal chicken fight, we want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I want to. I want to now write a film about um, a romance across the lines of an illegal chicken fight. Oh, amazing! You know, you could easily like just 
support the Romeo and Juliet plot, couldn't you? There's one side, the Montagues and the Chiculets or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Different <laughs> two two sides of the warring chicken syndicate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, right. Do you have anything else to say about Ruby Sparks? Um, no. It's as good, generally. And yeah, the ending's kind of annoying, but it's a very, very interesting and enjoyable film. And yeah, it's 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 entertaining for sure. Is the other thing, it's it's enjoyable to watch, and it is funny as well. There are some some scenes that are quite enjoyable to watch. The dialogue generally is pretty sharp. So overall, it is it's entertaining and it's enjoyable. But yeah, it's it's just it's very very ambitious and gets eighty five percent of the way there. I'd say in trying to provide a huge philosophical statement about how romance is written. Uh, which is still a very, very good feat, I would say. Yes, I think that is... It It nearly gets there, doesn't it? It nearly gets there to becoming a real classic of the introspective metafilm. But yeah. the, the ending does kind of undermine it a little bit. But at least it, it manages to be an introspective metafilm without being pretentious, which is good. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, so that is a good thing. It is. It is. And I I'd recommend I'd recommend do watch it. Absolutely. Um because you might find the ending less annoying than we did, in which case you're in for a treat because the rest of the film is fantastic. Yeah. Good um, times. So I've got some trivia. Yep. Um so Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan are a couple mm-hmm. in real life, but also did you I, I knew that also, did you know that both of them have kissed Daniel Radcliffe? Oh, yes, because she's in that film, What If, yeah. with him. And then Paul Dano um, is in Swiss Army Man. Yes. So so they have both kissed Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Has has she heard Daniel Radcliffe fart a lot? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Behind the scenes in that film, possibly. Yeah. Or seen him u- use his boner to propel himself across the <laughs> land. <laughs> <laughs> whatever other disgusting stuff happened in that film. oh that is a that is a strange movie isn't it yeah i kind of feel like i need to watch it again yeah i kind of want to watch it again as well yeah which would be the third time i've seen it but it's yeah it's great um apart from that uh scotty rips up a book the book is a, a copy of the catcher in the rye by jd salinger ah i thought he meant like he rips up the phone book you know and they'd like tear a phone book in half <laughs> <laughs> He's a strong dog. Power, power dog. Um, obviously, there's a few references to Catcher in the Rye in this movie. The famous novel about the man who catches a hell of a lot of rye. Yep. He's just out there grabbing all the rye he can. He's like, give me all that rye. I want it all It's like, now. If, if I can't grab all this rye, then I'm a phony. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that, that's what Catcher in the Rye is about, right? It's all about that rye. All yeah. about that rye. All about that catching. Right. Yeah. And then he makes sandwiches and throws them out for people to catch. <laughs> so then they become the catchers of the ride. Yeah, which was the sequel, which never got released. Yeah, because Salinger went mad and hid in his basement. <laughs> the, or whatever. the lost great American novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. As an aside, I do genuinely really like Salinger's work, even though he was, yeah, reclusive and strange. I actually like some of his other work better than The Catcher in the Rye. So I think I've only read The Catcher in the Rye, but it feels that ah. it, it feels that kind of nihilistic place that American Psycho and Fight Club have with me, where I really enjoy the way that it acts as a deconstruction 
yeah. uh, what other books are like that? Like Less Than Zero uh, by Brett yeah. Ellis is another one. And um, Bullet Park. Fast Lights. Fast Lights Big City, is that what it's called? Bright Lights Big City, something like that. Um, that's another one that's really good like that. And then Bullet Park, yeah, those kind of things I really enjoy. So Catcher in the Rye. I mean, it could have done with more catching in the rye, I think. Yeah, n- not enough rye. Not enough rye. I wanted more rye. Not enough catching, not enough I rye. I want a copy of that book printed on rye bread so I can <laughs> read a... You can eat it. Yeah, I read a page and then I eat, you know. Yeah, the, it's the ideal scenario. The, kind of, the, two best, the two best things in life, eating and reading. The kind of... Why would you not want to combine them? I want that kind of interactive media that kind of cross media interpretation give it to me this um this is the future <laughs> anyway right uh, that'll do for trivia i think i've 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 sort of diverted myself enough of all this right talk um but yeah so, yeah, that's so great. yeah and I, I like that it has french songs in it as well that one french song when they're dancing that's quite oh funny. yeah what's it by what's it what's it called um yeah. saplan pour moi by crazy bertrand something like yeah. that uh, plastic, plastic Bertrand, Bertrand. <laughs> crazy <laughs> Bertrand. <laughs> you know, I'm a mate, crazy Bertrand. He's crazy. Uh, I think that's like that's like someone who's like the guy who gets invited on the stag night who nobody else knows, and it's like, and then he turns up and raises hell. He's like, oh, you know, cra- let's crazy, get in the shop. It's my mate from school, crazy Bertrand. Yeah. <laughs> Alternatively, is the guy who, who owns the second-hand car dealership. Welcome to Crazy Bertrand's second-hand like, BMWs. He's like like Swiss Tony, <laughs> but but actually French. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so so yeah, it's uh, it's good. I like it. So it's good. How how shall we rate it? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. How many beautiful wooden chairs from Antonio Banderas would you take home? <laughs> Oh, all of them, obviously. As many as I could fit into my very large car. I suppose my car could probably fit 13 chairs. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like yeah, a... Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like yeah. a good number of chairs. I think I'm going to go for 13 as well, actually. Um, I think yeah. we're on the same page here, where this movie could have been a great, but it's not, partly because of the ending. And it does kind of undermine the rest of the message. But still very enjoyable, entertaining, fun, and unique. So we'll we'll give it that. Yeah, for sure. Nice. So uh, next up is my choice, or in fact, my wife's choice. Uh, she wanted us to watch this film, Gifted, uh, from 2017, starring Chris Evans, not that one, um, <laughs> about a man with a gifted child, and there's a romance with a teacher and stuff. But she insists that I've seen it, and I haven't. So ah. Either I was there and I fell asleep or something, but yeah. There it is. Just Gifted. just so you know, the next episode I'm going to be singing "Lifted" by the Lighthouse Family, apart from "Gifted" for a good twenty percent of it. I'm just. I warm. can't remember how, how that song goes. Uh, so they they say the word "lifted" a lot, right? <laughs> and then there's some nice there's some nice easy listening music. See, I remember the Lighthouse Family being a name that was everywhere in the 90s but i couldn't genuinely tell you a single note of their music i'll send you a link i'm, I'm sure i'd recognize it if i heard yeah, it. yeah i'll send you a link to the lighthouse family the greatest easy easy list the greatest band in the world now were they a family who lived in a lighthouse or is their surname lighthouse hi i'm john lighthouse i think it was that they uh 
they lived in a very light house. It was made out of balloons. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound very good for the weather. No, exactly. It's it's why they didn't last long beyond the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they've, they've since moved into a regular house and have moved on to other careers. <laughs> now they're the Brickhouse family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Anything else to share? No, no. I'm I'm off off to go and um off to go to a, a cockfighting ring in the local pub. Good, good. I hope you get some nice chickens that aren't aggressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just see, that's the thing. Not all chickens are aggressive. Some are, and some aren't. Although they try their best to find the most aggressive chickens they can. It's not a guarantee. Precisely. You might get some that are quite that are quite nice. Yeah, exactly. You and might get some that are quite feel placid. bad for fighting them. Yeah. <laughs> right okay then right all right so yeah we'll be back next week to talk about gifted if you want to get in touch with us you always can on the twitter at big boys don't pod uh, on the email big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com um what do you think of the ending of ruby sparks do you care or not or are you just like yeah let the ma- let the man have his dream girl are we being too mean you know do you, do you just want him to have his dream girl would you give calvin a swirly or a noogie what would be your yep. preferred method of physical bullying of this man boy? <laughs> Swirly, noogie, or wedgie? Yeah, you got to choose one of the three. We'll set up a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will do that, actually. <laughs> right, okay then. All right. Bye. Bye.